I want it that way. Wow. You are my fire. The Backstreet Boys desire. Let's hear it for the boys, everybody. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And I really need to look into songs that have boys somewhere in the lyrics. Uh, yeah, right in a ridge. Right in yeah. a ridge. Oh, okay. I did that last week. I did that last time. Uh, but you know what? It's fine. We're going to be talking about The Boys Season 3, Episode 7. Here comes a candle to light you to bed. This is live on Prime Video now. So check it out. Watch it because we're going to spoil it. But so much going down this episode. Uh, going to give a brief recap here. And then we're going to talk about all of it because there's so much to talk about here. But... Maeve is missing in the meantime. Soldier Boy is on the hunt for Mindstorm with Butcher and Huey. It kind of goes down by the end of the episode here. We get a trip back through time with Butcher. He's stuck in his own memories. So we find out a lot more about his brother and what went on there. Meanwhile, Huey stands up in a very big way, tries to save Mindstorm, but he doesn't do it successfully. Mindstorm tells Soldier Boy a secret before he dies. So that secret, as it turns out, is that he is Homelander's father. Meanwhile, while that's going on, Frenchie and Kimiko deal with the fact that she wants to get the Compound V again, which she does by the end of the episode. And we get a cartoon flashback with Black Noir. We find out about his origin story. Filling in some huge gaps in what's been going on behind the scenes this season. So many other things happen this episode that I'm sure we have to talk about, including A-Train is alive and has Blue Hawk's heart, which is pretty messed up. Wow, crazy. But Pete, you were putting up your little uh, thingy over there. What's going on? Well, I just wanted to... thinking finger. I just wanted to back up the truck before we got started and just kind of say that, like, I didn't get the reference of the title of the episode. If I was wondering if you guys uh, got the reference or what it was. With the candle and the bed and the stuff. Um, well, when uh, before there were lights, electric lights, mm-hmm. uh, you needed to take a candle to light your way to bed. And that's what this is a reference to. Okay. Well, yeah, I knew the historical uh, significance. I, I didn't know if it was a lyric I, and I, to I guess we should a say a candle. Or like, you know, a, like a metallic lyric or a something. A candle's like a stick made of wax that has a fire on one. It's like a flashlight that burns if you touch that. So like half of a nunchuck is what you're saying. Now we're talking. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, I will say, I mean, we all know this. I don't need to say this, but it is a line from a nursery rhyme called Oranges and Lemons. So I assume it has something to do probably with the butcher storyline would be my guess. Um, Since we're going back to his childhood. But to be honest, I don't know. I didn't actually look it up until just now. Oh, oh, okay. We were, we were covering your ass, Alex, when we were yeah. having that talk about Oof. candles. Oof. Yeah. You blew um, up your own spot. But well, I'll, I want to say about this episode and this season, I feel like we've talked a little bit about this season being a little more scattershot than last season. But I thought this episode proved that um, it's all coming toward um, sort of one main theme about um, uh, male, like toxic masculinity and just like – uh, how Amer- specifically American masculinity is so bad. It make it damages everyone and everything. And that's what it feels like the show as a whole is about, and especially this season. And I think it's so well done. I actually think this season is, has surpassed uh, season two wow. in my mind. Well, on, oh, wow. on this nice. episode, yeah. My 
I agree with you just about this episode at the very least. Like, I think this was awesome. I think the way that they brought everything together and the plot was so impressive. Uh, so all the stuff that they've been weaving there really comes together, like I said, through Black Noir's origin story and also the revelation at the end from Soldier Boy to Homelander. I do think it took them a couple of episodes to get there with the toxic plant stealing anything. Like, it wobbled a little bit at the beginning. But now that they are there, I agree with you that the metaphor is very strong. Well, and I will say that the reason I think it felt scattershot is because they were coming at it from all sides. They were coming at it from purely character and just observational, from the superhero metaphor, from like an American take, from a political take, from a media take. And because they came from all those different directions, it felt a little like, oh, it's hard to tell what they're talking about. But then I feel like this episode, they all just like, like came, they landed the plane that was also a helicopter. that was also a motorcycle at the same time. That's a cool Transformers. car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say while we're talking about the episode as a whole, I felt really seen because MM was rocking the DMX shirt because he knows Rough Risers. You know what I mean? Rough he, Risers. He, he got the Ruff reference Ruff in the rising. last app, and he was like, yeah, I'm with you, man. We Stop, in here. Drop. Mad about you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. See? Comicbookclub.threadless.com. Check out our exclusive Rough Risers t shirts in multiple styles. I, I'm wearing oh, mine all summer long. Was I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, and we get well, Rough Riser at the top of the app. At the top, bro. We where he belongs. Very fun stuff for the legend there. Uh, as always, tons and tons of references. Now, Pete. I want to talk about a scene that comes right off of that. We get a uh, soldier boy trying to get his uh, dick hard to some grannies. You love grannies. You must have loved this scene. Oh Go ahead. and Talk God. about it a little what bit. Take it away, Pete. Fuck, man. First off, fuck Pete, you. Don't take it away, Pete. Go ahead. We're talking about toxic I, I saw masculinity. that scene and I, uh, I immediately thought of you, Pete. Oh, so great. take it away. I, I will say, Pete, and I wasn't going to put you on the spot about this, but I thought of you, too. <laughs> That's awful. That's awful. Uh, they did make like a granny's joke about him later. Uh, I did. You know, he he he's likes age appropriate women. I don't know what to say about this. Uh, yeah. You know, everybody. You're likes down with it. I'm not. No. Hey, I, you know, I'm not. You're not down my, with it. I'm not. No, you're not doing doing so women you're age out at a certain point is what oh you're saying. God. Like they're oh. no longer sexual beings. You guys are too old wow. for you. Is that what you're getting at, Pete? You Alex is the fun. Ashley of our podcast. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. But on that beginning, because we have to have a whole section where we talk about Ashley. Um, but yeah. I, I thought this was great. I thought um, with having the legend there, and he had this great line: "To be American is knowing you're the hero." I thought that's where this the that line started to really unlock the whole season, I think, especially and especially what happened in this episode. And really seeing Soldier Boy, he's been such an enigma, and we've seen him be sort of like screw have a screw loose and be all over the place. But seeing him sort of hanging out and being more like being with him more, like whether he's just having sex with these older women, and then all the rest of the scenes with Huey, I thought you're like, oh, this guy's just like another regular asshole. Just he's just like Homelander, essentially, but without the anxiety that Homelander has. Yeah, uh, just uh, before we move on past Paul Reiser, I just want to say he had some great singers in here, uh, some really funny, uh, uh, you know, jokes about burning the sheets and all this kind of stuff. It's like now 
it was just some really funny. Uh, I'm glad that they're really letting him kind of lean into this character and uh, have some fun because it, it's great to watch and it does not get old. And like when they were doing the Black Noir jokes before, like with the bits, I'm hoping that this continues because I'm having a blast. The uh, one, the big revelation in this episode that plays out a couple of times is that Soldier Boy didn't actually fight in any war, that he showed yeah, up, yeah. I think it was two weeks after D-Day and did a, a promotional tour, which I, I think is a nice purposeful flip of Captain America, where his whole thing was he was being sent on this USO tour in the first Captain America movie, and all he wanted to do was help. Soldier Boy is the opposite way in taking credit for it. And that also, to the point that you're saying, Justin, is a very American thing to come in at the last second and be like, we did it. It's America. We're here. We saved the day. And it's very clearly the classic, like, you didn't actually do anything, but you're taking all the credit there. Uh, What do you think, though? Exactly. What do you think, though, of the fact that he spent most of the episodes stoned? What was going well, on? Well, sick, I mean, sick choice, dude. Love it. Oh, <laughs> man, me too. We're need some more reefer. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things where when kind of Butcher explains, it's like, oh, okay. Well, if somebody is going to have like a panic attack and freaked out, like keeping them, you know, uh, high and kind of mellowed out might be a smart move. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, made sense. I, I'm glad they kind of were able to kind of explain that a little bit. Um, but it was kind of ridiculous that every time you saw him for a minute there, he was just always, always smoking. I like the line he had where he was like, man, I've busted so many people for this stuff. And now he's just (laughs) casually smoking it. And it just points to just more of like that, that hypocrisy of the war on drugs. And now it's just like, well, but actually now it's actually, it's cool and legal and nothing is changing. And it comes to all of the bad policy that was built around it also Weed leads to that scene that I think is a really big turning point for Huey uh, after Mindstorm has already gotten Butcher and thrown him into this dream state. They're oh, walking to track him, to track Mindstorm, and they find this nun and priest, and Soldier Boy almost immediately kills the priest and threatens the nun, and then the nun kind of attacks him. He's insisting they're taken over by Mindstorm, but... Whether they are or not, to me, that feels like the point where we've been following Huey's arc, where he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's take down these soups, let's do it, this is so cool, in that very masculine way. Here, it feels like he, when he's presented with the ultimate version of that soldier boy, he realizes, I, I gotta back off, I gotta go back to the old Huey, I gotta be the Huey that... Annie needs me to be, and I got to think around this problem and logic around this problem and be kind instead of what Butcher wants, instead of what Soldier Boy wants or anything like that. Did you guys get the same impression? Yeah, I really am. Because it's one of those things where we have Starlight step up huge for her relationship and put it all on the line to save Huey. Uh, But it's also nice to see Huey coming back to being the character that we know and love because he has kind of like you know, got, you know, he got a taste of the V and liked being powerful and liked wanting to save the day. You can kind of understand why he would want to do that, especially if, you know, someone runs through your girlfriend, you know what I mean? So like, I think it's one of those things where it's a cool kind of like complexity to this character that we get to see. Uh, By the way, when when you run it through the girlfriend, that's called Chicago style. 
Oh my yeah. god. The, the, the Chicago style breakup. Yep. <laughs> the Chicago style breakup. Yeah. Hey, uh, extra deep the girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, I thought I thought it was interesting that Huey and um, Annie have been sort of on the rocks, and faced with the choice of losing her, he chooses to keep taking the V and yeah. to keep on this track of like I'm going to be a hero man. Faced with the loss of Butcher is what pushes him back into being mm-hmm. um, a compassionate, normal, more normal person. And I thought that, like, just goes to show that they are the essential relationship of this show. And well, for Huey... Think, I, 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 I hear you, but I almost disagree. I think it's more like him going through the shit in this episode and realizing kind of like, I'm on the wrong side. Like, Soldier Boy's insane... Butcher doesn't give a fuck. And then trying to, in the process of saving Butcher, he finds himself again and kind of like, uh, that's kind of, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe, I mean, that that could be what it is. Um, But either way, I think it's going to be interesting. We should probably talk about what happens to Butcher in this episode. Because building toward the end when um, Huey is going to be faced with the choice where he in which he doesn't have enough information to make for real about taking the V24 again. Um, that's that's where we're going to find out what Huey is sort of going to be going forward. Um, well, the other part of this before we move on, to, well, I guess maybe this is a transition into the Butcher stuff, is Butcher is also not who Butcher says he is. And what I mean by that is like getting back to that, fuck yeah, let's kill all the soups things, Butcher, this entire season, has been unsure of himself. He's been putting up in this front. He's been using the temporary V as his own shield to protect himself. But inside, he's completely falling apart. And anytime we get a private moment with him, that's exactly where he is, to the point that he's crying at the end of the episode when he's alone. Yeah. And there's even a moment where, after Annie finds out that the V is killing them and tells him, it looks like... He is about to tell Huey, and then he makes the wrong decision, you know? Uh, yeah. But I, I do think, though, that he is, like, because he lost Huey as his kind of North Star, as his, like, you know, kind of like, hey, you're going too far. Because Huey's, like, now on his team, he doesn't kind of have this, when am I over the deep end? And that's why he kind of spins out. And it's also, like, you know, we heard his mom say in other episodes about Huey and his brother being kind of the same thing, but it wasn't until this episode that we really got to see that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah. The, all the sequences of butcher trapped um, in the Mindstorm loop, I thought were super dark, sad. Um, I really liked them to have like such an emotional core to the episode, an episode where there's also so much else going on plot wise. And also just like, fun and like action wise was really that's the way they bounce it on the show is so good and these scenes were so upsetting and you so really powerful because powerful. it was like flashbacks of his dad and then him kind of doing the same thing at different times really fucked up yeah and again pointing to this idea that like you know Dane, like abuse and like this like toxic American max- masculinity, even though Butcher's not American, but it, I think it is that sort of like uh, wrapped in abuse way of treating your kids or how you, the fathers and sons kind of thing. It it made it again, made it all crisp into use your word, Alex, as the um, 
real theme for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of those things, right? It's fathers and sons, but we've talked about cycles of abuse throughout this season down to almost every episode. There's been some sort of hallway scene at Vaught Tower where somebody got reamed out in a meeting and then wanders out and then abuses the person who has like 10% less power than them. It's a very different thing, I think, with Butcher because like we see – he was abused by his father to stop his father from abusing his brother, but then Butcher abused other people because of that, and he's doing the same thing to Huey. There's also yeah. the complicated factor, like we, I think we just touched on a little bit, that Butcher is also saying that he's protecting his brother by leaving, which clearly he's not. He's actually scared and running away. And then he does the exact same thing to Huey at the end of the episode, where he's like, yeah, I'm protecting you by giving you these superpowers, but really I'm actually killing you is what's yeah. ending up yeah. happening here. So if anything, I wonder if you could take it a step further, and I, I don't know that Butcher would ever realize this or say this out loud, but maybe he is self-fulfilling prophecy punishing himself in a way. Like, I know mm. I'm going to kill Huey. I know I'm going to lead Huey to my, yeah, his death yes. because I did the same thing to my brother. So here we go. Prove myself right. Yeah, I'm hope because I'm yeah. sick and tired of Butcher making horrible choices. I'm hoping that we're going to, uh, you know, maybe the nightmare because he woke out of that nightmare and was like, I am so sorry, you know, talking to his brother. But Huey was there. And so I think it was one of those things where the pain on his face, I think, is a is a huge step for him, uh, kind of like letting it show that much. And then I hope that, you know, maybe, you know, he's not going to let him shoot up or he's going to stop him when it comes down to it, because it is fucking heartbreaking to see him now that we have all the information making these horrible choices. Well, it's interesting to to for both the characters to sort of pay off and be heroes, Huey and Butcher. You need Butcher to stop Huey from taking it, but you also need it to be Huey's choice to not take it. Mm -hmm. And both of those things can't really happen. So one of them will happen and one of them won't. Um, so maybe that's, maybe Butcher will switch it out for like some Mountain Dew or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Pete, you're yeah, our – That um, stuff's Ma- better for you. Yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. our Mountain Dew expert. Can you – how much Mountain Dew can you inject in your body before it becomes toxic? Well, the, that's the problem. The definition of toxic is really what uh, – a little bit of a gray area because some people believe 20% – of your kind of blood water uh, is too much, but other people be like, that's the sweet spot. That's where I really, Sorry, like I was wrong. Live. Pete, you're the Ashley of this podcast. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're just working for the Mountain Dew corporation. instead of big, big do bro. Big do. Uh, you can get a big do down at the old Seven Eleven. Why don't we move on to some other storylines? Specifically, we you should just talk plug Seven Eleven out of nowhere for some oh, reason. I'm sorry. You just talked about Mountain Dew for like, I want to say 15 minutes. Let's you talk about it up. Did I? Yeah. Let's talk about Homelander because there's a lot of fucked up stuff going on with him this episode. Um, specifically, want to call out two scenes here, two of his bigger scenes. Uh, one of them is the scene with Maeve. Oh, Let's geez. talk about that first. Great scene. Oh, so Maeve is alive. She's been imprisoned. Woo-hoo! And the reason she's in prison, though, is that Homelander wants to harvest her eggs oh. so that... Uh, he can eventually, if she dies, 
impregnate those eggs and create a race of super children. This, of course, parallels the reveal at the end of the episode with Soldier Boy, where Soldier Boy was asked to, quote unquote, oh, beat man. his You're meat right. into I didn't a even jar. Think about that. Yeah. He doesn't even yeah. know it at the time, oh, but he's doing the exact man. same thing to Maeve. But we get some great Maeve stuff in here where she shoots yeah. it back to him, yeah. uh, talks about him having a bruise. About spots his bruise. Spots yeah. his bruise. Best day of her life uh, because she saw that best he's day, scared. Like top three, she said. Yeah, that's. Uh, but that you could tell, though, she was kind of wrecked by the frozen eggs things for sure. And uh, God damn it, Homelander. Every time you think like, oh, he's cracking. He's not kind of like holding it together. He comes up with these evil fucking moves that puts himself back in top. And it's like, God damn, this fucking guy. Um, agreed. I have a prediction based on this scene. Um, Maeve has a great line where she says, you know, uh, you're nothing without being a soup. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she and she can't wait to sort of go back and live a normal life. Right. I think that's an indication to me that Homelander will be depowered by uh, by Soldier Boy next episode. Oh, you think Soldier Boy, though? It seems like yeah. by the phone call, they're going to team up, dude. It's going to be like... Probably, but I think it, what Justin's talking about, every indication that seems to be where they're heading towards. And honestly, like, what do you do with Homelander at this point? He's already yeah. totally out of control, uh, all-powerful, shutting down... To, that would be a great move at the end of the season, teeing up season four, where now he's human. And what do you do about that? Like, that's how you yeah. move forward with the threat. He's I mean, the that's his villain. worst nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially now that he's I know I predicted early on that Ashley's the next Stan Edgar. Um, and right. I still think based on what she did in this episode, she's well on her way oh, to being like an unhinged version of Stan Edgar. Uh, yeah. But I think since Homelander's been positioned as the head of Vaught, basically, if you depower him, but he retains his position at Vaught, then he is in a very Stan Edgar position, except he he and Ashley unhinged, maybe even getting together as a couple. Since that's been sort of like home, who Homelander is, quote unquote, dating is a thing. I think that's a very fun twist as well. Uh, Let's move on to talk about the other big scene with him where, once again, doubling down on the Trump, I don't know, metaphors. What are they? One to ones. Basically, he gives a direct analog. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. He gives a speech at a presidential rally and goes totally off the rails just talking about himself in classic Trump style. But even he realizes that he's gone too far, wanders in the back, finds a farm, milks a cow. Drinks yeah, yeah. the milk, and then Victorian Newman catches him. Uh, here's a fun thing. This is a fun fact that I found out. That is a actual cow that Antony Starr actually milked for the episode, which I was surprised to find out. Is there anything is he can really, do? Is yeah. that really? I mean, right. we. I guess. I mean, I guess that's great, but I mean, I don't think no, that. No, no, I'm not saying that's great. It. I just expected it to be like, okay, they created a prosthetic. Yeah, that or he milk, but no, he legit yeah, had a stand in to cow. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, no. He did it himself. Apparently, the cow was very bored. Cows aren't <laughs> scary. You no. can just milk them. No, I know. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Never milked a cow? No, I never milked a cow. Oh, well. Why did my I voice go so high? I don't know. Why are you scared? Why yeah, are you scared, scared about it? <laughs> just, you uh, think you're going to love it. You think Crimson and Clover is going to play and you're going to It feels like maybe this is uh, where my life starts. One hundred percent. I thought this scene was great because just calling back to um, Homelander's uh, milk thing and uh, yeah. season one, basically, I thought that was really cool. 
Victoria Newman sort of helping Homelander is like her story has been a little lost. I think mm-hmm, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see where she's going to end up because I don't know what value, what value she's going to play out in the final episode, given that she's just sort of there and on both sides. And we had this mystery in episode one of like, where did she come from? And like the school and all that, that we haven't truly haven't mentioned again. Since then. Well, but I think the idea is she was from Red Rocks, right? Is Was that yeah. the name of it? The Orphanage? Red, so, yeah, Red Farm. Uh, this actually gets back to what I was saying earlier, just in terms of like the first couple of episodes maybe being a little wobbly, is I agree with you. That was the focus of the first couple of episodes. And then we just moved past that. We also have it looped back yeah. to her daughter was given V. Are we going to see more of that potentially? But she was certainly positioned just from a textual level as like the big thing at the end of last season. Like, here we go. Yeah. And she hasn't really been in this season at all. So they've clearly been focused in other directions. There's a possibility if she survives this season, we might see more of her. But um, I agree with you. There needs to be like a little more focus her there than this random element that comes in every once in a while. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, perhaps it's a good time to transition to Todd, who attended the Homelander rally. Um, oh, man. Which, man, I, the way this story is hard in this episode, but I yeah. just love having Todd be this Homelander super fan and have him be so just like uh, brainwashed by it. And the way they handle that whole scene, him and uh, Mother's Milk talking uh, in front of the daughter and, and her mom was like tough. And you see what Mother's Milk, he punches Todd and you just see him know like, I shouldn't have done that. I had, done the, I had the power and I gave it up. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was really like, and he was trying to do the right thing, but it also was upset for a good reason. Uh, and then, um, yeah, because we also saw Homelander at that rally. Like he thought he saw soldier boy, his eyes glowed. And then he kind of realized, Oh, maybe I'm not, I'm seeing things like he could have easily lasered everybody. Um, so, I mean, he does, have good reason to be like, yo, that's not cool. Uh, but man, like besides like political stuff, but I just think it was like, I'm glad Todd got punched and I'm glad, you know, like <laughs> I was really happy, you know, like I'm sure, you know, it's he's going to have to do some more uh, parenting and try to kind of like try to uh, cor- correct that right from wrong. But it was, it was a good punch and I'm glad it happened. We did. Uh, I forgot about we had one more big Homelander scene, which is when he confesses everything essentially to Annie. But it turns out she's yeah. live streaming the entire time. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what I think. One of the things that I think is really good about the boys that is such a classic scene of like you've been broadcasting to the rally the entire time or yeah. they set up like a recording pad earlier in the movie. And then by the other, yeah. like I recorded everything you said. But the way they executed this, it really actually surprised me. Like, we should have seen it coming, but the way Erin Moriarty played it, the way the scene played out, it was a legit surprise that she was live streaming the entire time, and they nailed it. Yeah, yeah, because I was Aaron wondering. Moriarty is so good, and this, this, the Starlight stuff, again, just great in this episode. Yeah, I mean, the range that she has is really impressive. Also, the fun she gets to have where she's chugging that giant bottle of booze. Really awesome. It was nice to see that side of her, too. You know, yeah. like the, oh, this is fun. We're going to, like, hang out and, and get fucked up. So it was like, uh, and then the, the scene. Not much her, to do like, in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a good shout out. 
Do you um, do you partake of the Kirkland, Pete? Is that your fave brand? That's what uh, they called out. It was Kirkland, which is like the generic supermarket brand. Oh well, yeah, right, the supermarket brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the Kirkland trail mix I enjoy, but I'm not looking for a Kirkland booze. That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, you gotta put part of the bourbon in the trail mix. It's oh, great for oh, breakfast. Come on, man. Come on, yeah. man. On That's road. like when you put M and M's in the popcorn. Sometimes I do both when I go to a movie theater. Just a oh, nice look, at right. look at this sloshy edge. bag of trail mix. Look at this edge lord over here living <laughs> on. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, why don't we talk about the Kabiko Frenchie thing since we started to touch on that? Uh, Justin, you are clutching your pearls right now. Uh, just, I talked about the emotional uh, butcher story, but this was so, their relationship is so unique in TV, I feel like. that. So they, the way they come together, they're they're trying to, Kamiko's like, I wanted to do the V. Annie goes and gets it. They have their little moment where they're dancing, and she's like, I just wanted to be able to feel your arms and not have them feel like bendy straws. And, like, that sort of plays as a joke. But to me, just the specificity of it is just so real and sweet. And then uh, she's like, it was a mistake to kiss you. It felt weird because we are beyond that. We're family. And I thought that was, like, to push through the sort of romantic will they won't they-ness of it, which I feel like early seasons they were playing with, and then they sort of yeah. became friends. And to have it go even beyond that to be like, we're just who we are for each other. We're family. Like, I thought that was really great. And to have they had almost a short film within this episode of them being all battered but happy, her making the choice to take the V, and then to at the end. Which she, was heartbreaking. And then that yeah. kind of like – uh, note that we didn't get to read, and then uh, Frenchie read it, and it was just so powerful. Um, and one, that, oh, that dovetails ahead, before you move on. That dovetails uh, with Huey has the same line: "Like I have to save Butcher. He's we're family." Mm-hmm. And I thought to have both sides of the episode here using the same line essentially uh, makes me think that uh, the boys are going to get back together. The uh, boys are back in town. Yeah, or in country. Oh, okay. Or right. in, I uh, guess we'll see. Maybe we'll have a switch them up. We'll have uh, country boys and town boys, and they'll switch places. Yeah, well, that'd be crazy. What are they? they have it's nothing just, to talk about. It's just weird the, that the you know because the it's an underlying ad for for Olive Garden where they're just they're constantly like when you're here, your family. So mm-hmm. uh, you know it's weird that they keep bringing it up. But I get it. I get it. You know when it's unlimited breadsticks. It's a great place to live, you know? Yeah, and we should say to the listener, Pete was ra- conceived and born and raised in an olive garden. So that's the only family he has. <laughs> it's, it's the staff and the customers of the olive garden on uh, just off Route 90 in Rochester, right, Pete? The Rochester, baby, you know it. <laughs> I guess that explains why you always say that you were born with two breadsticks to your name. That's right. Yeah. Uh, why don't, this is a quick one to talk about, but the deep... Breaks up with his wife oh, after an octopus man, threesome in this episode. Uh, Great stuff here. So good. So gross. The <laughs> sucking sounds from the octopus creeped me out <laughs> so much. I mean, just the, the line and like his scenes, I don't know if they're ever going to play into the larger plot, but it's just so fun and funny. And like the lines here, first off, he's like, I'm going to be on Hannity, which is an interesting choice in a world where they've created like a parallel to Fox right. News uh, in the Vought Network. And, but to use Hannity, who uh, is a real world right wing um voice like i thought was an interesting choice 
And then, uh, yeah. And then he has a line, why did Dave Eggers say I have a formidable intellect? Just <laughs> great <laughs> name drop and weird line there. Yeah. And it seems like she leaves. So it'll be interesting to see how far he spirals out of control without yeah, that yeah. one controlling factor there. Uh, why don't we talk about the Black Noir storyline? Because to me, oh this God. was, even among everything else, probably the standout of the episode. And honestly, I'll throw it out there. Probably crazier and more messed up than hero gasm in certain ways. Like, wow. I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, these animated sequences were great. They crushed it. They were so good. I loved how they looked. I was so impressed by the whole thing. Especially, it's just crazy to be like to be mixing like live action and animation in this way, and to have it not only be like poignant and emotional, but to have all this like theatricality to it. And it's still, it's also a joke, and it's also so fucked up. Yeah. Like, they really are like the tightrope they walk on this show in all these different plot lines we've talked about is wild. Yeah, I mean the fact that even Black Noir like moves his chair and is kind of like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you, you animals in my head that I'm just making up. Like it's just uh, all over the place, but also like there's something sweet about it and heartbreaking. But man, you know the amount of trauma that is around ball pits. You've got to at some point think people are going to kind of be like, "We got to get rid of these yeah. ball pits." This is Buster just... Beaver and his crew, very similar yeah. to Chuck E. Cheese, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps um, in our world. But um, and to use this as a way of really giving the backstory on Soldier Boy, which is something I feel like we really needed, why he was hunting down the people in Payback. And that Black Noir is sort of the end of that road um, because Homelander, if Soldier Boy and Homelander are going to sort of get together, perhaps team up here, um, and Black Noir is their target. Homelander mm-hmm. feels betrayed by Black Noir. He's on the run. I think it's that's an interesting confrontation that we're going to get to see. Fight between three people that are almost impossible to kill. <laughs> yeah. And both of the sequences as well, like you said, really emotional with Black Noir in that yeah. first training sequence. And then absolutely brutal when we get to see the other part of the fight with Payback back in the day in the war from 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was. Nicaragua. Um, yeah. So... Lots of stuff to dig into there. Really well done. And I also like the implication that Black Noir has been seeing these characters all along, probably, or maybe even other cartoons, which is great. He says, uh, we got you through um, when you had that erection in seventh grade, and we're going to get through this, too. I was like, yeah, that's lifelong (laughs) animated (laughs) show. Um, And I also thought it was funny, like, the dispute that kicked off the whole thing was Black Noir wanted to be the lead in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah. But. I was like, what a crazy specific to put on this uh, storyline. Also, maybe well, I um, didn't see this clearly, but when he sits down at first in the Busty Beavers, is he having big piles of black beans? Is that what he's yeah. eating? Just like, yeah, just big piles of That's beans. a Rorschach. Very Rorschach. Thing. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was uh, so good was. stuff. What else was going on in the episode? I feel like we probably missed. A bunch. We of got most here. of it. I think I want to shout out Ashley and just her work. Uh, Colby Minifee, uh this season and this episode at the top when she's on VNN, just being an awful yeah. uh, talking, uh, talking person there. And then later on, um, when she has the scene with a train, that was <laughs> so like cringeworthy. All the stuff we she was saying. Um, and can I get a what what slinging that yayo and like oh just like being God. the way she said all these terms and was slightly off about them, I thought was so fun and um, a villain at the same time. 
Yeah, and the movie sounds like uh, his worst nightmare. So this is just going to be uh, actually kind of playing uh, puppeting uh, A Train is is going to be rough, man. Yeah, I, he, I was, he made so much progress, relatively speaking. So to see him fall down so far is a bummer, to put it lightly. What were you going to say, Pete? I'll just like also, I was worried when he woke up and found out that like his heart was that racist asshole's heart. I was worried he was going to like try to pull the plug or do something fucking drastic mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that's just got to be so soul crushing to find out that that racist asshole saved your life and then like, uh, you know, made you healthy again. Yeah. I'll also throw out there um, just as in terms of an important detail that we didn't mention, Frenchie figures out what the gas is that can knock out Soldier Boy, which seems pretty important as we head into the final episode. Yeah, the paper. Um, and yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the revelation here that we leave the episode that Soldier Boy is Homelander's father. Other than just a team up, how do you think this potentially is going to change things in the final episode? I think it's just going to be an all battle. Like, I don't think Homelander is actually going to be cool with meeting Soldier Boy as his dad. And I think Soldier Boy is going to not be cool with Homelander. Like, because they were sort of rivals first. They have this revelation. They're not actually father and son in any way besides genetically. Yeah, but Homelander's, the look on Homelander's face kind of almost was like he was excited by this notion. Like, he has a father now. He wasn't just. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, he might want to have some kind of relationship with Soldier Boy. Uh, and I, I think mean, he will, but I think it won't be what he wants. Because yeah. They're yeah. all assholes. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> no yeah. nurturing there. And he never had any nurturing. He was trying to fake do it with Ryan, and that ended up. And are we going to see Ryan back to have a multi generational mm-hmm. battle here, potentially? Uh, or potentially just like, you know, a sitcom style thing. Maybe that'll get set up. Oh, that's a great idea. Thanks. Is it? But it was. It was definitely the old, uh, we're ending this episode with the, I am your father. Mm -hmm. But Mm. good twist. I didn't see it coming. I'm glad they did it. Who was best boy this episode? Uh, uh, Three quick quick lines I want to shout out before we uh, do best boy. Um, uh, Lay off the weed, gargle my ball sack. Fun. (laughs) Um, Huey crossing himself um, when uh, after the nun dies. And then the line, no one is that tough. And the people that say that are lying that Huey says to Soldier Boy. Uh, Oh, two other quick things that I'll mention that I did like. Uh, Huey coming in and being like, uh, Long John Silver's is kind of fish and chips, right? And Richard being like, sure. Fun. Uh, and then the other one is everything you say is so gross. I think that was the line. <laughs> Every <laughs> single thing you say is so gross. That made me laugh as well. Do you, I just want to ask you, when the nun bit his neck, it almost was like a vampire feel. Like, I was wondering, mm. like, did you guys, because, like, I don't know if it, it was kind of a, you weren't really sure what they if it was killing them was the right move even though she kind of like tried to defend herself but it, it i think that was just me. normal nun behavior in my mm-hmm. oh but you think biting somebody's neck and jumping on well, you like guys correct demon? me if i'm wrong i don't actually know but nuns are the brides of jesus and jesus is always changing things into blood so he's like a vampire guy right like he was resurrected oh, and everything. Right, right. so yeah, they're yeah. like vampire brides anyway just naturally he changes wine into blood to feed his nun brides <laughs> I think that's that's in the Bible. That's religion for you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to best boy. Justin, who's your best boy this episode? 
a lot of a lot of good answers here. I really love this episode, but I think I want to give it up to uh, Starlight ah, Annie you in took this mine, episode, you son of a mother, uh, because everyone is doing uh, some right things and some wrong things, but she's doing um, almost exclusively the right thing, and is the only one who seems to really care for everyone, no matter what they've done. Uh, I'm going to throw it out to Huey this episode. I know he had some debate about his actual motivations, and I think where he ends up is pretty bad going into the final episode. But he, in my opinion, he really does try to do the right thing this episode as well. And I feel like there was that turning of the corner, even if he gets sucked back into Butcher's bullshit by the end of the episode. So um, I liked what was going on with him. Pete, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it to Female and Maeve. Um, They did some really great acting in some real powerful moments, even though they didn't have like real big parts in the, in the app. Uh, female had more, but I just, uh, some real powerful stuff. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the boys. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show. Here at number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, boys, you guys. Boys, you guys. Pete, I'm going to swing by the Olive Garden if you want me to say hi to the rest of your fam. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tell my uncle I said, what up? 